You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Michael! Andre, I'm just cleaning up my desk, but I do feel like an idiot today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why do you feel like an idiot today? Well, first of all, you got to get rid of that piece of paper. Don't need that anymore. I think that's from a podcast we did back in 2003. Wow. Oh, yeah. So... We haven't gone that, been going that long. <laughs> well, after my bonehead move, you think I, I would know what I'm doing. I, uh, we, we probably wasted a good 10 minutes today trying to figure out what was wrong with my microphone. And, and? Uh, I, I, I was reminded of my old adventure electronics days when, uh, when people would phone up and go, my TV's not working. And sooner or later you've gone through every, you know, troubleshooting thing and you'd go, um, have you plugged it in? And they'd go, uh, yeah, we had that moment. Go. We had that moment. We had that moment. Michael, did you turn the phantom power onto your microphone? Yeah. And that was it. I, I gotta go. That was usually, that's how those conversations always ended. It was always ended with somebody going, I gotta go. That's too funny. Nobody, nobody would admit it. They just go, I gotta go. Um, happy family day, by the way. I, I, I think most people listening to this podcast know that we don't usually cut it this close to the wire and it's too bad that we don't have any urgent breaking news to talk about. We're, uh, no, we don't, but we did. I do think I'm really happy with the topic that we have for today. I'm just grabbing a glass. Okay. I did. Okay, so I'll, I'll set this up. What what, what we Go both ahead. have in front of us oh, are... Got uh, got we've got a trio of Rieslings. Yeah, another Riesling tasting. <laughs> I think it's been a while since we've done one. It, it is. Now, I, I, I some people know I, I teach wine classes out there. And I teach for the Life Institute at Ryerson. And uh, I was just lucky enough to have uh, Derek Barnett in. Because uh, you and I had done some uh, a blind tasting for the class that I was doing. Yes. And I had Derek Barnett in, and we also did a blind tasting. How did that and, go? And um, I did his on Riesling, because he's a huge Riesling fan. And uh, we did six Rieslings, and old ones, young ones. It's interesting. I actually did a, a blind tasting this week as well with um, five Rieslings, uh, four countries, and uh, we had two from Niagara, one from Alsace, one from Mosul. And uh, one from New York State. And why did you do this? Like, what was the what was the impetus for this tasting? Uh, literally just for fun. There's um, there's a couple of people that I've I've connected with off of uh, Instagram. Uh, one of whom listens to the podcast regularly. Her name's Jordan uh, on Instagram. She's rescuing trapped wine. Hey, and Jordan, how you doing? The other one is uh, Bailey. I don't think she listens to the podcast, but her account is Let's Learn Wine. And hey, Bailey, you got to listen. <laughs> it's it's been it's been fun to connect with some people who are at a different stage of their their wine journey, just to kind of revisit things. And uh, we began together every few weeks trying to pick a theme. And um, when they came to my house for the first time, and we tasted Chardonnay, because of course we tasted Chardonnay. It was the first time Chardonnay. that we did that we did the tasting blind. And I was just saying the point of tasting them blind isn't to necessarily get the answers right so don't feel stupid but it's to remove that drinking with your eyes uh element from tasting wine talking about them what's the commonality what's the it, difference it's, all, it's also about getting your getting out of your own head right exactly if you know it's a chardonnay you're gonna say certain things about it if you know it's a reason you're gonna say other things about it exactly whereas when you're tasting blind you, it could be anything. Riesling is pretty easy to, to pick out like that's it's, Re an, Re easy, it's an easy grape chardonnay Heck, I could pour you a, a Rhone Valley White, and you could think it's a Chardonnay. Definitely, and, and I mean Chardonnay is, a, or sorry, Riesling is a good place to to start if you're, um, it's, it's, especially Ontario Chardonnay. Thanks to 
um, I guess, typicity, for lack of a better word. Uh, but, I mean, it is pretty easy to see that there is a, a, a commonality across the board. That I mean, Ontario Riesling tastes like Ontario Riesling. For the most part, there's a few outliers. Uh, but, I mean, it's a good way to, to just, like, when you get wines that, that have that commonality, really flex that muscle to see what's different about them. Yeah. Well, so what what happened is we, we've each been 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 uh, gifted. Is that the word? They were, they were they were sent to us as samples <laughs> uh, of the rat uh, rat lock. <laughs> Flat rock. <laughs> oh yeah, I haven't even had a drink yet. Maybe I need one to get this this mouth working of mine. Uh, and all of them are nineteen, which which bodes well, really, because nineteen is a good riesling year. Yes. So uh, I know you already or you've already kicked things off. And I have. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna crack my first one. So we've done the 2019 Riesling, we've got the 2019 Nadia's Vineyard Riesling, and we have the 2019 Envy Riesling. Uh, and I, I did grab the tasting notes to make sure that we can talk about what the, the difference is between them. But um, I, I've had actually got a lot of friends, especially, like I said, I've been spending a lot of time on, on Instagram. I think you've been spending quite a bit of time on Instagram, and it, it's fascinating to see kind of the up-and-coming uh, wine bloggers and where they're at in their wine knowledge and discovery of Ontario. And there's a lot of people who are starting to fall in love with Riesling. And the question I have is, is this something that we might see translated into consumer response? I don't think so. That's my short answer. Okay. Uh, you know what? I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But I'm wondering if, if there is going to be a tipping point where Ontario Riesling is going to make a comeback because... The tasting that I did this... I want you to talk about your tasting with Derek after this. But the tasting I did this week where we had the four countries, two from Niagara. Ontario showed very well next to these wines. And they were all in a comparable price category. I think the cheapest one was like $17 or $18 from Crew in the Lake Erie North Shore. The most expensive one was uh, from Alsace, which rang in around $40. The New York State one was about $35. So there was nothing earth-shatteringly expensive... But I mean, all all fairly priced, and um, the Ontario wines performed at the top. We had the Cave Spring Estate Riesling, which I think runs like sixteen or seventeen dollars, might even be less than that. And uh, the Crew Lake Erie North Shore, which I know I just mentioned as well, Riesling. Well, okay, so Riesling is, in my experience, a wine lover's wine. It really is, but for the average consumer, it just means sweet. Yep, and that's and I think that's always been Riesling's problem, and um, it's if you love if you if you if you love Riesling, you love Riesling. Like you'll drink Riesling, you know, any time of year. Um, it, 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 somebody says Riesling, and your ears perk up. It's like the filaments in your head go, "Oh, I need I need to try that," and and I'm I'm there. People say you know they open a Riesling, and. Um, and and I I want to I want to taste it I want to I want to get a good taste of Riesling and in fact one of the wines that got me into um, into the wine world was Riesling I was at a party with some friends and somebody kept running down to their wine cellar and pulling out these old Rieslings and I was like this is fantastic like these old wines have really held up and that's what really got me thinking you know maybe wine is a career. Um, I, I wish it had been a guy who was a doctor who kept bringing doctor books upstairs. Maybe that would have been better for me, but it's another story altogether. I, I remember falling in, in love with, with Riesling, and, and it's 
you know, it's a fascinating thing that you that you see when you visit Niagara. And I think Ice Wine kind of has a similar reputation where, you know, wine drinkers, once you once you crawl down that rabbit hole and realizing, okay, I actually really love wine, your initial response is to be programmed that sweet wines are bad, dry wines are good. And I've even seen it, um, you know, at some of the larger wineries at the and going back to like 2007, 2008, when I first moved to the province. Uh, watching people at the wineries try to downplay the sweetness of ice wine, you know, and and you're still just dealing with like a consumer expectation. And I, I honestly, I think the best way to beat that that consumer perception about sweet wines is just to lean into it. Just accept the fact that sweet wines are sweet wines, but put an asterisk beside it and say, yeah, it, it it's sweet, but let's talk about why it's sweet. And when a sweet wine's well put together, why it's very good. Well, <clears throat> as I like to call them, they're dry impaired, by the way. Uh, See, but, 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 that, but that's another term where you're, you're trying to shy away from the fact that it's, it's actually just sweet. Look, uh, sweet wines, uh, everybody's always told you can't like sweet wine. And then if, you, if, if the people who do like sweet wine, they also lean right into it, right? Like I know people that will never drink a dry wine. Yeah. All they want is sweet wine. Ice wine is, is the pinnacle. But, you know they'll drink Riesling because it's, it's sweet and that's what they're looking for. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the, uh, that's, that's the, that's the problem Riesling has always had is because, you know, for the most part, the stuff that we get from Germany is sweet, but when you're in Germany, it's dry. The Trocken is, is dry and they, they send us, you know, the crap that's really sweet because that's what they figure we're looking for. And that's what the LCBO buys. And then that's what the consumer buys. But you give somebody a dry Riesling who's a Riesling fan, like something really bone dry, they'll be like, oh, I don't like that. So, well, define to me, define to me dry. What does, what does dry German Riesling look like? Like, what's the chemical composition? What does it taste like? How is it different from Niagara? Well, it's not that it's different from Niagara because our, our, you know, this first one here, this 19, it's got a, it's got a good sweetness level to it. Um, I, I'm picking up, you know, that apple, that, that talky note, that, that wet stone, that white peach, that pear, but it's got all, you know, it's, it's got that minerality com composition to it. Uh, it looks like there's some, uh, some trapped CO2 in it. There was a, uh, you know, when I poured it, it almost, almost looked bubbly. It's calmed down now, but, um, it, it, but it's, but it still has an element of, of sweetness to it. Uh, and you know what? I, I agree, agree with that. Um, the, the 19 Riesling definitely has a very strong perceptible sweetness on the palate, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel terribly sweet. No, it's, it's not cloying in any way, shape or form. I, I think it's a, a nice Riesling. I was expecting more acidity from it being that it was 19. Um, it, I think it's it, got great it, acidity to it. It's got good acidity, uh, but I, I am, I am one of those mouthfucker Rieslings. I love a good Riesling that just makes you go, holy. I don't know. It's it's definitely like definitely citrus on the on the back end, like strong citrus. It's um very grapefruity. I got a little lime cordial on the end. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm so getting like, that now that you see that. That's a very good tasting note. Thanks. So, so I'm I'm willing to to move on to Nadia, which is usually the sweeter of the two. But you've got the uh, you've got the notes there. Is it this year? All right, all right. Going to the um, going to the actual paperwork at the top level there. So, 
Okay. So the 2019 has 25 grams per liter residual sugar. The Nadia's Vineyard has 17 grams per liter residual sugar. Okay, so they've dropped it now. That's good. I always remember Nadia being a little bit drier. and I mean, it's reflected in the alcohol. The alcohol on it is stated at 11.5% on the bottle. Well, I, I remember when they, they were upping the sweetness, and then I know when Dave Shepard came along, he wanted to uh, to drop it down, and I think they have dropped it to uh, to a more respectable level now. But it was it was getting up there where it was like, you know, candy floss. Yeah, but I really don't mind that. Um, I mean, it's it's something that I, I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are in in the industry, um, but I know, like for ADX, it's always a bit of a challenge for us to one hundred percent lockdown lockdown fruit. We, we start pretty early. We talk to people, and we're lucky to have relationships with growers. But a fascinating thing is happening in Niagara right now, and that's grape growers are basically giving Riesling away. As, as cheap as they can to get to get good fruit like to get good Syrah to get good Pinot Noir to get good Chardonnay you're generally paying a, a premium for it but to get good Riesling it's it's pretty easy and with your company have you ever thought about making Riesling is that like something you're going to go yeah uh, Riesling because it's cheap now um, well no so like our, our, our behind the doors company motto is is no compromise the thing is I love Riesling Michael I love talking to you about Riesling I love it when we read your seller about Riesling but when push comes to shove I'm running a business and even if I make a hundred cases of Riesling I'm not sure I can find a hundred restaurants that would want one case of Riesling and I I think my point has been proven but but I mean that's it the, the um, it's it's but, but that's it, though, is like you and I are sitting here tasting these wines. We know they're good wines. We're we're scrutinizing them because that's what our jobs are as critics. But that 2009, 2019 Riesling, even with you being a little disappointed with the acidity, would you complain if someone brought that to your house for dinner and that was the only wine that you had to open? No, but I'd be much happier with this Nadia's. Wow. Now, that's got, that's got good acidity. Good minerality, good acidity. Orchard fruit. Yep. It's skewing more towards peach and pear. Yeah, this is lovely. Yeah, but okay, so when you talked about those dry German Rieslings earlier, is this what you're talking about? 17 grams per liter residual sugar? or, or Probably get... something more along this line or, or, or lower. You know, there's, this one's got that really good, you know, citrus minerality. You know what I mean? It's the acidity plus that, you know, whetstone component. Mm. On the finish. Yeah. Oh, there's like a really, really, like the mineral notes really pronounced on that. Yeah, this is one of the better, this is one of the better Nadia Vineyard Rieslings that I've tried in quite a, uh, quite a bit of time. That's, it's crunchy. That's really lovely. Like there's, there's a really good, um, yeah, I really like that citrus plus wet stone finish to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really, it, it's really enhancing that that minerality. Whereas um, for for me, you know, that first Riesling is kind of a you know, uh, you know, spicy food kind of Riesling. It's got that sweetness that's going to hold up to that spicy food, allow you to clear your mouth out. You know, this Riesling because of its acidity. Um, to me, this is an outdoor sipper, and I know it's the more expensive of the two Rieslings, but I mean, that's an afternoon of just absolute pleasure. 
So the 2019 is $17.95. And I, I think that's extremely fair. It's an extremely fair, extremely fair for the price. Yeah. And the Nadia should you, what, a couple bucks more? Mm, $29.95. Ah, okay. All right. So not a couple bucks more. No, a few more than a couple bucks more. All right. Well, now what do we have on this? And and the Envy is a very weird label. I have to I have to say that right now. I know Flatbook. Uh, they, they're in it, the middle of a rebrand and and tweaking things. Um, I don't I don't I don't like the way they've uh, they've structured that because when I was looking at it, I kept trying to figure out what letter the NV was in between. Ah, okay, interesting. I I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, so I was like, uh, is that Einvidge? So, oh, interesting. It, yeah, because it doesn't really look like brackets because of the the font choice. Like, I think just a plain ellipsis would have been. I, I get you on that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a that's a minor complaint. Let me just read the note that's on the the press release that uh, was sent to us by um, by Ed and Jacob at Flat Rock. In uh, 2014, we replanted a portion of the vineyard adjacent to Nadia's. Instead of using the same 21B clone, which is extremely widely planted in Niagara, and we've talked about that on this podcast before. Pardon me. We opted for something a little more risque in the 239 clone from Geisenheim. This adds diversity and complexity to our vineyard and the resulting wines. The younger sister might just have a little vineyard envy. And who knows what the future holds. I'm just wondering if the envy has to do with the fact that it's adjacent to Nadia's vineyard. That's what the NV, why the envy is set aside. I guess. I guess. But get rid of the E and the Y then. Just NV. Because it'll it <laughs> spells out the same thing, right? You're just giving away you're just giving away free branding advice. I guess that's what I'm doing. So, all right, mm. let's 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 get into get into this because I know there there are the two as far as I know the two widest planted clones in uh, Niagara are the 21B, and I think that's really the signature of like what Vineland, um, Featherstone, Megalomaniac, Rockway have that like really distinct like mineral citrus driven nose one of my favorite rieslings that flies under the radar is from ridge point uh and i know that morrow has clone 49 planted on his property and i also know that at chateau de charme paul bosk has uh clone 49 planted which is which is an alsatian clone do you know anyone else working with clone 239 i do not and this but is really are, nerdy. Please, this this is get in touch with it. This is really nerdy now. So let's get away from the nerdiness okay. and um, just drink and, it and go right into this 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 wine here. I'm now you have the notes in front of you. I do not. Um, I think sweetness level, first of all, uh, is somewhere between the the first and the second wine. Am I correct on that, or is this is you this are dry? not? Hmm? You are not. It is uh, right on par. With the Nadia's, it's it's uh, seventeen grams per liter. Okay, but right. alcohol alcohol is a full percent point lower, so it had uh, less sugar. Ah, uh, here it is on the back of the bottle. It says Nadia's Vineyard two point which is, I, I'm guessing, why the NV on it. Yeah, I, I saw I saw the the Nadia's Vineyard, but now this one, I is, like I like the mouth feel on it like a lot. It's a little it's a little more. It's a little more interesting than the Nadia's, uh, and I've gone back to this one now twice, meaning I've poured myself two different, you know, pourings of it. Oh, 
The and acid, the acid doesn't like. It's got great acidity, but it's not sharp, like the Nadia's Vineyard. It's more like a caress. It rolls off the back of the tongue and still keeps the palate refreshed. It is very pithy. It's like yep. li- it's it's lime pith on the finish, um, but man, uh, this is this is interesting. There's even a little honeydew kicking around in here. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely got more depth in terms of the fruit flavors. Mm. And it's got great mineral on the nose, so the signature of Niagara is still climbing through, even with the um, uh, even with the different clone. Yeah, and and the, do they say when they replanted? This? Sorry, I, I mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. required me to actually listen to you, Andre, and mm-hmm. um, I try not to do that that often. No, I know I'm used to it. Um, twenty fourteen. Okay, so you know we're looking at eight year old, eight year old fruit. All right, all right. All well, right. no, sorry, no, it's five year old fruit at that at the, at the time of. Of picking. All right, so I am now making a blend. Hi, Henry. Uh, I'm doing a half and half of uh, Nadia's and the Envy, just to see what what this tastes like. I'm sure this is very interesting to everyone listening, as you and I just kind of gulp away. We're just like, man, it sucks that consumers aren't going to do this, but like, man, I okay. This is the sound of two people enjoying wines. <laughs> Maybe that's it. That, like, like this. Maybe this, that that should be the 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 new um, two guys enjoying wine. Two guys enjoying wine. Yeah. No, but I mean that's it. Like, like you and I, we've scrutinized the three of these. We've kind of given our feedback feedback and a tasting note. Um, man, I just I keep forgetting how good Niagara Riesling is, and I I don't know. I think it's maybe even like as a business owner with ADX. Apart from the fact that the I'm not sure that I have the consumer base to buy the wines. It's just I like the challenge with what it is that we do. You know, working with Chardonnay in barrels for two years, working with Pinot Noir in barrels for two years, and even dealing with with Pinot Noir to turn it into rosé feels a little bit more of a challenge than working with Riesling. And I'm sure there's winemakers who are listening to this who are are going to slide into my DMs on Instagram because that's usually what happens. They're going to tell me how hard it is to work with Riesling. So, oh, I I believe it's really difficult to work with Riesling. If Riesling's hard to work it, with, because Riesling is totally made in the vineyard. There, there's nothing you can do with it. There, there's that's no it. shoving it in oak. There's no there's no playing with. Uh, well, well, I, I, I'm sure you can use a different uh, yeast, but I I mean, why would you? You're looking, you know, there. There's there's a real loveliness to that. I did not like the mix. I did the the, the half and half uh, Nadia's envy and and I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I wouldn't like it, but I don't think it does a favor to either wine. No, I think no. I think it kind of waters down what's good about Nadia's and it waters down what's good about the envy and it makes something that's tepid. Yeah, I think I, I think, think but to me the Nadia boom it's there. That's that's the kind of reasoning that I'm all over that I like. I would prefer- follow it by the envy because it's something uh, you know quite interesting. Um, do you, do you quite prefer, fun? Do you, do you prefer German to Alsatian Riesling? Uh, I do. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I don't know if yeah. I I don't know if I really have a preference just because I, I cut my teeth um, like as a journalist on Niagara Riesling. Like at the beginning of my career there, I focused solely on Ontario and like I knew the wines were good and then once I started to branch out like I it was nice to um nice to taste wines from elsewhere blah 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 but it's just like I, I don't know if I have a, a firm opinion I've had really great ones from Alsace and I've had really great ones from from Germany um the Alsatian one that we had at the blind tasting I did earlier this week though was fascinating because it did have really great balance but it was 14% alcohol yeah so you I find that Alsatian reasoning to me anyway have more of a 
a, a creaminess to them instead of of the uh, instead of the nice uh, acidity that I'm looking for. And I usually attribute that to the either the fermentation or the little bit of aging they do in barrel, which is my understanding how they do it in in in, uh, in Alsace. And I just don't like that component. Uh, I like the purity of Riesling done in the stainless steel. Mm. And I don't know if I've had. I, I guess I need to. I need to spend more time. Um, yeah, I need to spend more time exploring this to see what I like. I know. Yeah, um, so if I, the Alsatians I, want to invite us down to prove me wrong and then show something to Andre, <laughs> let that be an invite for them to 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 extend. Oh man, totally. Anytime. Um, I, I know that before we entered either our second or third lockdown, um, I had a chance to go to a Riesling tasting with with my wife at Peter Pan Bistro in Toronto, and a shout out to. The programming that uh, Nick has been doing at Peter Pan on and off throughout the lockdown. I mean, he's really been um, quite resilient in spite of what the government's been doing to restaurants, which is a damn shame. Um, but, I mean, separate rant, separate time. Um, but, yeah, I, I remember enjoying enjoying some of the German more sweet Rieslings. Uh, this, what is it, Spätlese? I, I butchered that. Spätlese. lazy. whatever. I butchered that. I apologize to people. I should know better, but, yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the spat, spat lazy that we had on the tasting there. Well, that's a that's a sweet version, right? All right. So I know I know we don't spend a ton of time like promoting my business or talking about the business, but let me ask you a question, Michael. Just because I'm, I'm I really am thinking about it because of the fact that I have access to decent fruit if if I decide to make riesling and and I can convince my business partners. Um, to make Riesling with ADX, if you were sitting where I'm sitting, would you uh, consider making Riesling? No. And why not? Uh, I think it's uh, a, a losing proposition uh, for a small uh, wine company such as yours. Uh, and the reason being there's a lot of great Riesling you're competing with. Okay. And uh, unless you can add something so unique, uh, you know, Charles Baker uh, did it by by finding uh, a couple of you know pretty interesting vineyards in the Pecone and the Ivan Vineyard. Um, but I mean, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think there's many untapped Riesling vineyards out there at the moment, and I don't think that they. There's, there's enough of a call for Riesling. Unless you figure out how to make it so, you know, put an Andre spin on it, which I don't even know how to do that. Well, I mean, that's it. it, it it's, there's a problem on the other side of the coin, too, where you deal with, um, like, the Pearl Morissettes of the world where... And I know at the beginning, when they made their black ball um, cuvee, it certainly made for a romantic story. I think it was... In spite of how you and I feel about the marketing and how things work at, at the winery, it, I think Francois did a very good job opening the eyes of the VQA to being open to different styles out there. But I'm not sure if that's quite the answer either. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the. Uh, I don't think the way to make your name with Riesling anymore, or even at that time should have been, but it, it turned out it was was to make a faulted Riesling and and complain about it. And that's exactly what he did. He made a faulted Riesling, complained about it loud enough that, you know, people were like, oh, they're stopping this man from making wine. 
and uh, you know everybody wanted to taste it. Everybody wanted to get their hands on it, um, which is sad because I don't think people should be, you know, fooled into buying faulty wine. But uh, I'm sure it happens all the time. I mean, that's a, I think that's a good question about being fooled into buying faulty wine. I mean, I think if you have a fault in your wine and you're honest about it, where it's just like, okay, we had one of the barrels that ended up with a bit of Brett. Let me be honest about it. This is my Mia Culpa. It still tastes okay, but this is what you're buying, where I, I don't think that was what was happening at uh, at Pearl Morrison at the beginning. It was being sold as this is like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, but I mean, we're getting a little bit, we're getting a little bit off topic here. No, we're still on the Riesling topic. Okay. About what, what we're, you know, it's, it's just unfortunate that um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gullible people with, with money. <laughs> all right. All right. Right. So, well then let's say who, who else other than Charles are, are making the groundbreaking Rieslings and how do we, we, um, bring the eyes of the consumer to that. And I, I already threw up. Well, I mean, I mean, you're looking at, you know, flat rock has obviously made their name on Riesling cave spring made their name on Riesling 30 For bench sure. made their name on Riesling. You know, there's three off the top of my head, uh, that I can think of that makes their name on, on Riesling on a number of different Rieslings cave spring at any one time has seven. Uh, I think it's sometimes it's more if they have ice wine and Indian summer Riesling and all that kind of thing, but seven Rieslings, you know, now we've got flat rock who makes, three uh whether they're going to keep well, on the with flat- the envy series i don't know yes um, um flat rock and i mean there's the outliers i think i think the thing that you're talking about is like like we have that front line there um but we are dealing with other places that maybe aren't as well known um places like henry appello make a very good riesling so do chateau de charme sure um you know, Morrow at Ridgepoint. I'm, I'm throwing that name out there again. His, but he, but they make they make one or two. I'm talking about the one, ones yeah. that are making. You know, that are that are basing the the majority of their portfolio, or a good sized portion of it, on Riesling. You look at Shadow de Charme's portfolio; they've had one Riesling. Fair. Uh, you look at Morrow; he used to do a sweet and a dry. I don't know what he does now, uh, but you know, maximum two. He's not. He's not trying to make his name on Riesling. Now, what Morrow is looking at is he's one of the few who has the Glara grape, which is the grape of Prosecco, and he's making Ontario Prosecco, okay. which is very good. And I would I would recommend people try that. You're recommending his Riesling. I'm telling you, look, make that jump to something that's more unique in the province and find yourself his his Glara sparkling. Yeah, but I think his Riesling is pretty is pretty unique, partly because of the clone that he works with. It doesn't taste like every other Riesling from the bench, but is always balanced and and delivers a lot of like what you expect from really great Riesling. And there you have it. Well, there you have it. Um, I don't know. How, so I guess how do we how do we how do we wrap this up? Um, well, I, think- I mean, look. Uh, you, 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 you know, I mean, I mean, just to sum things up, you and I both feel the same way about Riesling. More people should be drinking Riesling. Sure, they should. Um, I, I, most I, people I, are not going to drink Riesling in spite of what you and I are are saying here, just because we, you and I, don't have the power to change the minds of, you know, the average consumer. And most people listening to this podcast are not average consumers. We're dealing with people who are enthusiasts who are listening to this podcast. But I, but I also say this that. Ontario has gotten away from the promotion of its Riesling. And I blame, say, the Wine Council for that kind of thing, because I blame everything on the Wine Council. Um, 
because they used to have something called the Riesling Experience. It came through Niagara every two years. Okay. I haven't seen it in, well, granted, the pandemic came along, but I, I haven't seen it in years. All you, uh, what are we promoting? But Chardonnay. I mean, but, I mean, that's it. If, if You and I both said, though, that the consumers aren't interested. So why would you promote something that the consumers aren't interested in? Like, do you think the power of the marketing engine that exists in Niagara is strong enough to try to convince consumers to change their minds? I, I think that most consumers who drink Ontario wine know that we make good Riesling. Yeah. Uh, I think they're moving away from it, and, they're, and that they'll drink it on occasion, and they're happy to. But... Um, you know, we are, the marketing arm does not go. Yeah. Riesling is our, is uh, they say it's one of our grapes, no doubt, but they're not saying this is the grape. We've moved on from Riesling to something else. And that is, that is the nature of, of consumers, right? We get yep. bored with something and we want new, which is why, you know, new grapes always become you know, exciting to people. Grenache could be exciting. Syrah became exciting. Pinot Gris, Pinot Grigio, that became exciting uh, because it was quote unquote new. Okay. And, and I, and I would, I would like to promote since some, you know, if you're looking for something new, Malivoire has a great Melon de Bourgogne this, uh, this year, they just call it Melon, but it looks like melon on the label. So people will probably think it's like honeydew, but it's, the 2021 is a, a real delight. Okay. And if you're looking for so something on, new on to put Riesling. on the patio this coming summer, it's it's going to be a wine that's going to tickle your, well, you know. So on a Riesling podcast, you've managed to talk about Glera. You've managed to talk about Malone. I'm starting to think that you're not a, a, a big enough fan of Riesling. Uh, it's not the wine I gravitate towards anymore. If I know somebody's coming over who's interested in Riesling, I'll throw one in. I'll throw two in. Hell, as you found out, I'll throw five in. But most people coming over don't go, man, I could really go for a Riesling. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. So, I, I mean, this is another podcast where you and I have talked for half an hour. Uh, I don't know if we have learned anything or taught anyone anything. Um, uh, the, the Flat Rock Rieslings are great. I like the Nadia. It's the nice dry style I'm looking for. It's the acidity and the minerality that I really like. Uh, I gave it four plus. Uh, I gave the Envy three and a half plus, and I gave the regular Riesling a three and a half. Wow. Okay. Um, I think the Nadia and the Envy are both four plus from me. Um, I mean, the Envy, once again, not having enough experience with the Cologne, but just in terms of it being a solid wine, um, I, I do think you would need to taste them both side to side to see which you prefer, but both are well made. Uh, I'm, I'm three and a half plus in the 2019 Riesling. I know that you're just looking for that searing acidity. I do think it's there. It's really well balanced. I like how the sweetness soars through, pushes the flavor profile into orchard fruit and... It looks like it's going on LTO for like 15 bucks in March. So just in time from, sorry, from May 22nd until June 18th. So I know that's a few months off, but just in time for summer. So it'd be a great way to kick off the summer with a $15 bottle of Ontario Riesling. That would be. Sure. All right. Good work, Michael. Thanks, Andre. You can I go can... drink now? Uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's take this away. Uh, I'm Andre Proof from underwinereview.ca. Uh, follow me on socials at Andre Wine Review. Patreon.com. We very much appreciate the support. 
Uh, check it out, patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. Uh, and uh, Michael, now is your time where you explain how confusing it is to follow you on stuff. I try not to make it confusing, but it seems to be. <laughs> I'm Michael Pincus of michaelpincuswinereview.com. That is the website. Uh, there's also a Facebook Facebook page attached to it, Michael Pincus Wine Review. Uh, otherwise, I am the grape guy on uh, most other social medias, Instagram, Twitter. Is there anything else that's out there, really? No, I don't think so. Uh, Andre? You should be on TikTok. No, I do not want to do that. <laughs> Have you seen me dance? Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.